Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, happy Monday to all of you. And I hope that, again, everyone had a very good weekend, got some rest, had some reflection, got outdoors. I wanted to share something with all of you today, which is that at the end of last week, I had the really wonderful honor of being honored by my former high school. And I was so taken aback when I got an email asking if I would be interested in coming in uh, prior to being entered into my former high school's Hall of Honors, uh, which is for non-athletes, who the Hall of Fame is for athletes and the Hall of Honor is for people who have achieved, I guess, made accomplishments, made waves in their chosen field. And I was so taken aback, one, because when I was going to school, I was one of a handful of Black students. At the time, um, I was not out. I wouldn't come out for probably several years when I would graduate from college. And to think that I graduated with a graduating class of 1,103. I was one of like 20 Black kids and kids of color in my graduating class. And while I had an amazing high school experience, I say all that not to then tell a a sob story about my high school experience. Thankfully, I had really amazing teachers. I did have incidents of race that I have written about, racism that I have written about being called the N-word in my 11th grade honors English class and subsequently uh, cursing that young man out and him being shunned for the rest of the year. You know, good times. But aside from that, I had a remarkable experience. And why was that? It was largely due to the amazing teachers in my school who never 
made me feel other, who encouraged my pursuits and engaged me in, you know, debates and questions about our society and culture and racism. And I never felt like I was marginalized in any type of way. And that's what good teachers and a good school is supposed to do. And I say this as I'm reflecting on the experience of being honored by my high school and thinking about what Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott are doing to young people in their states, to young black and brown people, to young queer people, to young people who, you know, live at the intersections and how they are creating a climate and an experience that is devastating to their development, that is going to be devastating to their psyche, to their sense of self, and to their ability to want to contribute to this society, to want to show up in their full selves and be able to make their stamp and make a difference because right now, they are living in states where they are being stomped out, right? Where legislation at the end of the week that Ron DeSantis passed last week that would allow trans children to be taken from their loving homes. Do we understand the history of stripping people from marginalized communities of their families, of their children? I mean, this is something that America was born on from the indigenous tribes of this nation to the enslaved black people that were forced to come here, right? So it is nothing new. It has always been a tool of the oppressor to break apart families, right? Because families are supposed to be our foundation and the place that we draw our strength from. So in order to weaken the queer community, in order to disempower and to erase us, their desire is to strip families that are accepting of their children, that are loving of their children, of their parental rights. Can you think about anything more heinous to do in the 21st century after centuries of what we have seen and what we have learned from those abusive practices. And frankly, you know, the Trump administration did that, right? With undocumented people trying to find safe haven in the United States. It has always, always been a tool of the oppressor. And I bring that up to say that our children, whether or not you birth children, adopt children, foster children, teach children, care for them in any type of way, are our collective responsibility, right? They are our collective responsibility. If we want to see a society that is accepting, that is safe, that is progressive, right? Where laws are created that are about adding people to the table, not separating them. Then we have to invest in our young people, we have to give them safe space and safe harbor to grow their voices, right, so that they can lift them for progress. And so when you see these heinous acts that are happening across the country, I implore you, I implore you to find your local PFLAG organizations, parents and friends of lesbians and gays, to go to GLSEN's website, right? to go to Family Equality, an organization that I have worked with 
over the last two years that is about empowering queer families. Please consider donations, consider volunteering, consider calling the offices of these heinous legislators to tell them what they are doing to our society. It is important that we all in this moment lift our voices to protect all kids. Coming up next, my conversation with our good, good friend, our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Folks, I am, as always, very excited uh, when we get to chat with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzel. But more importantly, he's an award winner um, (laughs) because Dr. Jonathan Metzel was awarded um, the Carlson Award from Weill Cornell Medicine Department of Psychiatry in recognition of his important contributions to the history of psychiatry. So thank you, award winner, for making the time for us little <laughs> for us little people over at Woke App. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll squeeze you guys in. No, I. Uh, um, it, it was it was lovely actually. It's nice when you get awards like this that aren't like the oh my god big name award that everybody's heard of. But awards like this are nice because they're often. This is an annual award given by in memory of a colleague. Um, and 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 they do it at, at at New York Hospital, and so it was just it's nice to go. I got to give a big talk. The department came. They took me to this lovely lunch. I got this nice plaque. But it was also nice just to 
will first be recognized. I mean, there's some incredible people who've won this award, but also to um, be able to kind of speak to somebody's memory. It's such a nice way to keep tradition alive. So thank you. Um, well, it's wonderful to see, and we can't think uh, of a better person uh, to be honored uh, than than you. Um, Jonathan, you know, there's just... I'm so disgusted these days. I mean, people know that I'm disgusted all the time. But I, I will tell you that I'm still kind of reeling from CNN's desire to continue to mainstream white supremacy uh, and anti-Semitism on their network. To continue, um, the, 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 the president, Chris Licht, uh, just came out again because their ratings were not uh, through the roof for Donald Trump. And, you know, and they have faced a ton, a ton of backlash. So he's on the defensive saying that we need to show both sides of every issue. And Mehdi Hassan, who has a show on MSNBC and uh, has been on this show and others, um, tweeted and said, really, we need to show the both sides of every issue. So uh, climate deniers and election deniers and uh, racism and injustice in this country. So everyone deserves both sides. And he said, "When? so when does it end? And I wanted to get your thoughts on how media um, is just mainstreaming white supremacy, mainstreaming hatred in a way that I don't think it's ever done on this level because of the amount of technology streaming, social media platforms, and all of these things that allow you to access so many people so quickly. It's obviously not a surprise to anyone that media in this environment where so many media companies are going out of business. I mean, Vice just went under. I, I actually had a piece that was coming out in Vice. I did an interview with them about guns and it didn't come out because the company is going under. Um, and um, right, is it what BuzzFeed? Uh, uh, you name it. All these companies are firing people or are going under. It's a it's a horrible environment right now. Forgetting just the ethics for one second, which of course it's all about ethics. Um, but companies are driven by revenue and and clicks and views, and which leads to advertisers. And in our world, we live in algorithms where conflict drives revenue, right? And so I guess that's the question is like, where does that leave us? So I guess I'm not surprised that CNN has taken this turn, right? We knew it when when he was hired, that basically they're an entertainment company and the entertainment company, they they need viewers, right? Just like Twitter needs followers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They're just, they're trying to make money. They're not people any more than Bud Light is a person. And so- <laughs> Um, you know, it really is true. Are you like sure? Because are, the Supreme Court may say yeah, soon, but yeah. Light is a person. So these these things are all just existing in this marketplace that is really cutthroat, and where the, the the you know the the terrain right now is the more conflict you have, you know, um, uh, politicians can never pass legislation in the world, but if they stand outside of Congress and say some racist stuff, um, or get in fight with with each other. And it goes viral. That's what drives revenue. So our whole system is monetized right now 
to not to give one side what it agrees with, but to tweak one side, then tweak the other side. That's just the world. That's what entertainment. That's how entertainment is monetized. I wish we had different algorithms. I truly wish we had different algorithms. But I guess for me, the question is, what do we do as liberals? Like, what's our mm-hmm. response? Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't know. Like, I, I, I was again. I mean, I think what CNN did was horrible. They, they legitimized and platformed, and they're going to, I'm sure, do it again. Um, but the question is, like, you see all these people now boycotting CNN, mm-hmm. and and a lot of people are boycotting Twitter, obviously. And that's the question I want to ask you, Danielle. Mm-hmm. Is boycotting the right response right now? Um, is boycotting the right response or are we deplatforming ourselves? I mean, that's really honestly what I what runs through my mind all the time because there are not enough people on liberal Twitter to sway elections. The, there are not enough liberals to make a difference. If we stop watching CNN, we're just going to hand it over and make it another Fox News and Fox mm-hmm. News is, is whatever. So I just I'm, – I'm worried about the response of boycotting um, it works sometimes, but if that's always our response, I just feel like we're we're lessening our voice as opposed to I, I don't know who it's everybody's choice. But what if every liberal person got a blue check and blasted on Twitter and fought back? I, don't, I just feel like we've given over Twitter to these people. I don't think so. I think that boycotts are um, are important. I think that we have seen how boycotts have worked throughout history to uh to move this country to a more progressive place you Mm. can look at the montgomery bus boycott you can look at you know um the airing out of alec the 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 company that the the organization i'll say that created all of the anti-homophobic anti-black legislation that we've seen and people being able to be informed about what companies they are shopping with what companies they are spending their money with and who is taking their money by day and then voting against their rights at night. And so but, but I let me, think... Let me, let me ask you though, because I'm, I'm not against boycotts at all. For, I'm for sure. I completely respect the history of boycotts. Um, I think they're important tools. I think, but but is a, the Montgomery Boyce boycott the same as people boycotting CNN, for example, or not, not um, engaging Twitter? It's not at all the same thing. But here's it, because I'm one of the people that have actually been calling for people to boycott CNN, because I don't think that C, I think that CNN, by virtue of the people that they are putting on air, are delegitimizing themselves, that they were once seen as the stalwart of cable news. And you have seen that erosion of that network since the Trump era in a very major way. They are, you know, just recently what they gave. Uh, Caitlin Collins, the woman who interviewed Donald Trump, the plum spot at 9 p.m. Come to find out, which I did not know until recently, Caitlin Collins got her start at the Daily Caller um, and was the entertainment reporter and has has espoused anti-Semitism, has espoused uh, uh, racial bias, has espoused and written about all of these things. And now by virtue of the idea that CNN is still this mainstream middle of the bar place is able to, you know, uh, whitewash herself. Right. And, and her, and so now it makes sense as to why Donald Trump chose her in the first place as somebody to sit down with. And so my feeling is you do not have to continue to give ice eyeballs and Nielsen ratings to a network that is no longer a trusted entity and form of journalism. 
And I think that if CNN is out there deciding that they are no longer interested in expanding their base of people who want real news and instead want to chase Fox News, then why would we continue as viewers to reward them? Right. Like, I think that at some at some point in time, the people of this country with their dollars and their voice need to say that we're not going to be along. We're not going along on this ride with you right to the bottom. And I think in the same way for Twitter, I still have not left Twitter because I do still believe that Twitter um, is a space for you to get information quickly, is a space for you um, to be able to share your thoughts. And so until it absolutely combusts wholeheartedly, (laughs) I'll be I'll be like you and I'll be one of the people that continue to hang on because all of the other um, social media platforms that have bubbled up don't are still in beta version, right? And don't have the same uh, reach, right? And power that a Twitter does at this time. And so, I, but I don't like to answer the larger question. I don't think that we are deplatforming ourselves. I think that people are showing the power that they have. And if CNN wants to continue in business and not, you know, troll behind a Newsmax in their ratings, which they did two days after they had Donald Trump on. They came in at 335,000 viewers behind Newsmax, CNN was. That if you want to continue with the farce of pretending to be mainstream news when you're leaning right wing, then you're going to see those numbers. No, I, I, I don't doubt. And again, like I'm, as you know, I'm on CNN every so often. And so I don't certainly like what's happening. And I know people at CNN who are not happy and people who have left CNN. A lot of good people have left CNN. Um, it's great for MSNBC, right? You know, Anna Cabrera and all these amazing people are going over to MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess my concern, and, and and I'll also say, like, I was called out, I think, fairly by a, one of our listeners on this show um, because I think I made a bad joke about Mastodon, and I apologize. I'm sure it was, I wasn't trying to be offensive, and I'm, I have total respect for people who are on Mastodon. Um, I, um, I'm on the waiting list for Blue Sky. I tried Mastodon and I, I just couldn't honestly, I just couldn't figure it out, honestly. Um, but I guess for me, my concern is that the lead up to, I mean, think about how important social media was to Biden's election in 2020. Like, I, because I was part of the influencer group, um, one of the influencer mm-hmm. groups that was doing all the stuff with, um, you know, we had, um, we had Mark Ruffalo and all these people working with us. We had a massive footprint, a massive turnout. And we spoke to ambivalent voters, progressives who weren't sure that they were going to vote for, vote for Biden. Um, all these people like social media was incredible, incredible. And, and it really helped, especially, you know, when we could target swing States. And my concern is just the, that that's being undermined in such powerful ways right now. Like I think there's a very concerted effort by the Elon Musks of the world and other people to make sure that liberals don't have that kind of sway leading into the 2024 election. And my concern is just that the mastodons of the world and the blue skies of the world, it just becomes like a place to protest. It's, it doesn't have a reach to, it doesn't have enough reach. And so right now Twitter's the place with reach And I'm just totally torn because, of course, I don't want to give my money to Elon Musk. And it also does concern me that, like, all these right-wingers have this blue check, which means that they their tweets are boosted and they can tweet 
longer tweets and put up videos and everybody like me on my side is just sending these short tweets that don't go any go anywhere except to my friends and so and so i just i don't know what to do john stewart is back in the host chair at the daily show which means he's also back in our ears on the daily show ears edition podcast the daily show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture you get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment politics sports and more from john and the team of correspondents and contributors the podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including... Actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I mean, the reality is you can pay in the same way that they're paying to have their voices heard. But I think that also... Look, I I don't think the blue check, now that we know that it can be bought, has the same cachet. I think that, of course, we continue to grow our numbers um, as you go on TV and do other things. But I think at the end of the day, people are going to diversify where they get the information and they're going to continue to do so. Right. The amount of people that um, use TikTok for instance, as a way to get their news as opposed to actually watching the news or going on Twitter because many people left Twitter even before because it became a swamp, right? Yeah, like, no, it's not and this is Yeah, and this is what happens with these social media platforms. Like, people left Facebook. Why? Because Facebook became a site for older people, but it was nonstop ads, right? So you were no longer even seeing the people are being able to engage with family and friends in the way that you were, you're just engaging with corporate sponsors, right? 
Um, and so I think that with every uh, every few years, and not even every few years, every every couple of you know short years, there is going to be another explosion of social media platforms that try and refine what it is that is going wrong on these other places. And that's how people will move. I think that it is about figuring out how to get your message out in a multitude of ways, yeah. giving all the opportunities that people like you and I with varied platforms have the ability to do. No, I, I think that's right. I, I just think people need guidance about it right now. And again, if if Mastodon is the way to do that, but but I mean, the important thing about something like Twitter is that you're not just speaking to your friends or your bubble, right? You're, it actually potentially has reached well beyond people who agree with you, right? You can agree, you can engage people who disagree with you. And so I think that really that's kind of the, that that's kind of what's important when you're trying to think about social media and elections, for example. Like right now, I feel fine. I just, again, my worry is just like, what's going to be the platform? I mean, there is probably, the joke is slightly on us for like, calling out Elon Musk to when he wasn't going to buy Twitter, <laughs> like probably we should have just let him slink away. Um, but, um, but, 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 but I, I think that what, what's the infrastructure going to be for that kind of mobilization and maybe it is social media, maybe it's not social media, but, but I just think, I just think there's a, there's a question of reach right now. That is um, like, the, obviously there's a lot of data right now that the demographics are, changing of Twitter. Twitter is a very powerful tool for Republicans right now. Twitter mm -hmm. um, has a massive increase in people in Republicans who feel like it meets their needs. So Twitter is going to be a very effective tool, even more the, than it was in 2020 for Republicans, just given everything that's happening. And so what's the what's the counter to that? And I, I, don't, I don't know the answer. I mean, honestly, that's what I'm asking. Uh, I, again, wasn't trying to poke fun at Mastodon. I know everybody's people are trying that, but I just think, you know, we, we have an infrastructure issue that we need to address. Yeah. And I think that also people need to get off of their screens and get out into their communities. I mm -hmm. think that all another part of that is, you know, there is going to be a return to doing the good old fashioned work of actually meeting with the people in your community, knocking on those doors um, and, you know, and engaging in real ways. And I think that as we're going to see, you know, the 2024 election is going to be the first election that we have chat GPT, right, yeah. where that is that is also um, on one hand. Oh, how exciting. Look at this new technology that makes things easier. And oh, oh, my God, how devastating to humanity. This technology that makes everything easier um, it makes it easier to spread lies, makes it easier to doctor videos, makes it easier to do a whole lot of things. Um uh, that are going to be dangerous, right, moving on in the future. And so I think that people need to make decisions that align with their with their values. And if boycotting CNN, for instance, and putting your eyeballs towards a PBS or an MSNBC or, you know, going on and deciding, you know what, I'm just going to read. I'm just going to go, you no, know, like, no, you know, rebel, I'm just gonna, <laughs> right. I'm just going to read articles instead of you know, listening to the same stories regurgitated or actually I'm going to join, you know, my local organizers and, you know, and connect with real people so that I'm not afraid of my neighbor down the street. I think that those are actually important things that we need to be doing. We shouldn't be looking at one place that none of us own, right, to be the lifesaver of democracy because that ain't it, right? And I think that that's what we have seen over the last several years.
remember the it was the Obama re-election um, when he beat Romney, and it turned out afterwards that Obama and the Democrats had this technology that the Republicans didn't even really have, which was ways to reach voters. Um, they had they had some kind of technology where they could identify in the voter rolls people who hadn't voted in the past two elections but still wanted. They had some kind of technology where they figured out like here's a way to reach people that swung a lot of swing states. It was it, of course about Obama and Romney was not a great candidate, etc. Um, but the Democrats had like outthought everybody. Um, Trump in 2016 had some kind of technological stuff, I think, about kind of secret Russian spy. Yeah, I'm like, that wasn't that just Putin? What what was this secret platform? I thought it was just microwaves or something like that. And and I do think there's a story that is is going to obviously be told about the 2024 election. And I'm curious what it is. I know like people are thinking about it. Um, So I just I'm just curious to see what it is. But I guess you're saying it's not going to be Twitter for us. Um, But again, I. I just do. I just do think that's just what I think. Like, even I'm, I'm still active on Twitter. You're still active on Twitter, um, and the people who are reading our tweets are not the same people who used to be reading our tweets. And so, kind of, I'm just thinking, like, what, what's, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean going forward? We will, we shall see. But we will leave it there today, friends. Dr. Jonathan Metzl, congratulations on all of your recognition uh, and the award that you received for your work. We appreciate you and your analysis that you bring to us each and every week. Thank you. Thank you. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every family has an origin story, one passed down through the generations. Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast, will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a whodunit for the ages. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.